Hi, and welcome to my podcast, AlderPod. AlderPod is my read-aloud version of my novel in progress called The Alders Gate. This first installment is the prologue. Thanks so much for listening, and stay tuned. It was supposed to be the end of the world. The darkness of a chilly autumn evening was illuminated. Night turned to day. The inhabitants of Urena turned their frightened eyes to the skies, convinced their deaths were about to come. And for many, it did. But the dust settled, the skies cleared. Those who still had eyes to see opened them again unto a new world, barren, desolate, and alien. On the great island of Wea, the first queen and her king set up court. As a symbol of continuity, King Frederick I planted 30,000 alder trees from the northernmost point of the great isles to the very tip of southern land. These trees seemed possessed of an altogether magical ability to grow in spite of the storms, the plagues, the fires, the floods. The queen established the tenders, women dedicated to the upkeep of the sacred altars. These would be their children. These would be their legacy. And for one hundred years the alders grew, while the world around them changed. At last, one spring came without floods, and a summer passed without fires, and humanity began, once again, to live with hope. But something was different. Though the survivors of the great collision had spoken of soothsayers, sorcerers, and bards of tremendous ability in their time, none remained. There were no more prophecies, and no more prophets. The gods were silent. The gods had left. All that remained was the Alders Gate, if even that was anything but a myth at all. And so the awakening began, and the men and women of the great islands began to push further south, traveling across the White Sea in their long boats and claiming all they saw. Some stayed behind, claiming that such endeavors were bound for disaster, while on the continent the rivers ran with blood. Then one queen was convinced that conquest was the key to her people's continuation. She saw herself seated on a rocky peninsula, her great castle rising from the sea, impenetrable. She would start a new era. So it was that Queensland was taken, away from the dark-skinned natives, and established as the new center of government, thought, and life. The Soderans were pushed further and further south, their forests and streams depleted, their kingdom in ruin, until finally they came to a dry expanse so remote they were left to it. 
Then came wars. War in the north between factions on the island and the new regimes in Queensland. War in the south on the dry borders between the new territories and the barren deserts. More and more, Queenslanders moved into the territories, planting alder trees in every village as a symbol of their resilience. The people grew hard out in the territories. Then came the Queen's curse. Those in the Isles believed it was God's wrath for the lives the colonists had taken in their endless pursuit of the continent. But it seemed the curse was not limited to the colonists. At first it was cause for rejoicing. Male children were welcomed as strong hands, leaders, and soldiers. But reports began trickling in from all around Irena. There were not enough girls. Less and less every year. And even among those who were born, a growing portion were found sterile when it came time for them to bear children. As the male population grew, the crown adapted. Peace was established between the great islands and Queensland, uniting them together under one flag. Three new knighting orders were begun, and there was no war for one hundred and fifty years. But still, fewer and fewer women. Then came the steam age. Factories rose out of the landscape. The skies grew darker again. The queen prepared her knights for war should they need, with weapons designed not only to kill, but to destroy. Should the Soderan threat come again, they would be prepared. All on the face of the earth was prosperity. Warm baths in every home in Queensland, rapid transportation, whimsical timepieces, and flourishing arts. But there were still secrets, secrets deep below the ground, and in the hearts of those who could not share them. The ground was soft from the spring rains, and the damp made her bones ache. Her hip twisted awkwardly as she leaned her palm against the bark of the alder. Her white hair was braided down her crooked back, white and silver. Stray strands blew in the wind, dancing around her head like a wispy halo. Though her eyes were open, they were covered with a pearly white film. She could not see the trees, even if she tried. Just shadows and light. Shadows and light. But it was all well and good, she supposed. What else could she do? It certainly wasn't worth complaining when you were about to die. She had written a hasty letter yesterday when she knew for certain that she faced her death. It had been coming for a long time, the dying. Over a hundred years, by her count. She hoped the night she gave the letter to would get it to the queen in time. Laughing, she lowered herself down by her favorite alder, one she had single-handedly raised from a wee sapling. It smelled fresh under the branches, brimming with life. And then she could feel the earth beneath her hands, and she could smell it, too. All the trees began here, in the dark earth, growing out of death itself. How many things, she wondered were in this very dirt. 
the pain was unexpected. She had been prepared for something, but not for this. It was worse than childbirth, like her spine itself was being separated from her body and the ribs being cracked one by one. In fact, that was much of what was happening. But she had asked for this. She had known it would come. Her blood ran down her arms, hot and sticky, saturating the dirt at her hands, turning it to mud. And still the tree moved, claiming her, bringing her home. She was pulled in, twisted, changed. Her limbs burst and then grew. She heard a voice, skin and bone to bark and leaf. Tender, come home. Tender, come home. The pain began to subside, and in it came something else. She was rising, expanding. Her heart burst, her breath subsided, but it was ecstasy, pure, bright joy. At last, at last, she was blooming.